Hey, this is Rick Wiles, and True News is in Barcelona, Spain this week for Mobile World Congress 2024. And uh, it is an amazing event to attend. With me is Doc Burkhart and Paul Benson, but also two new members of our team. We've got Alex Gomero from Chile, and he is the uh, founder of InfoWeek magazine. And a new member of our team also joining us this week is Bo Davison. And so we appreciate these two gentlemen joining us this week in Barcelona. We're doing this uh, coverage a different way than we've done in the past. We haven't been here for about five years. I think 2019 was the last Mobile World Congress that we attended. And then uh, they were canceled for a year or two because of COVID. So we are here and uh, we'll be here to the end of the week. We just uh, came out of two of the keynote sessions for the first day. And, and I asked our guys to get together as we've exited the sessions to talk about you know, our, our initial impressions, uh, what we remember, what impressed us, what we heard. So, Doc, for me, you know, and, and I, I want to say this to our audience. Why? I know some are asking, why are you guys at a Mobile World Congress meeting? Mobile World is the, this is the, the uh, worldwide meeting of the global phone industry. So why are you at a phone industry trade show? And I'll put it like this in a simple way. If you think of the, uh, the new world order as having a nervous system, the phone industry is the nervous system of the new world order. They can't build it without the phone system. That's the easiest way for me to explain it. This is the backbone. This is the nervous system of the new world order that is being built. And, and so uh, this isn't the official theme, but it's a, it's a recurring theme that I've heard several people say, and it's this. We have the power to change the world. I've heard it several times this morning. We have the power to change the world. So already in this show, um, and, you know, I'll, I'll point out uh, the first one I attended, Paul Benson was with me. It's just Paul and me. And we came here to learn about streaming. That was 2017, streaming over phones. And the very first thing we heard in the opening session was the global brain by 2030. And so we're back. It's now 2024. How, how, close are we to a global brain? What's the progress? I heard some terms here today that was the first time I've ever heard it, like earth computing. Uh, Doc, I've never heard earth computing before. This, this is new. What is earth computing? Well, the idea here on earth computing, Rick, is that suddenly the earth itself becomes the computer. Uh, and everything and everyone will be connected not only to each other, but also to this global earth computer. Uh, and that theme has come up several times in several of the different sessions that we've already attended today. They have a plan to get this done. They've got to get everyone connected. They have about two thirds of the earth's population already on mobile devices. They need to get that last half, that last third of people uh, on mobile devices of some type in order to accomplish their goals of turning 
basically the earth and the satellites in the sky into one giant computer network. Yeah, so Alec, you, you have been a technology magazine publisher in Chile for decades. Um, is, is this your first Mobile World Congress event? Yes, it's my first time in Barcelona and the first time such a huge event, 100,000 attendees. And it really, it's really impressive what we can yeah. see here at the floor and what the, all the companies are showing uh, from dr drones to cars, electrical cars, I mean, you name it. Uh, one, can, one gets astonished by the, the investment in what the telecom industry is doing uh, to bring to the world the new AI. Today I learned that the AI is no longer what they are talking about. Now you're pushing AI plus. That's right. That's another another term we heard today, AI plus. So AI has only been out for one year and now it's being supersized. Right. So the public's going to be told you don't want just regular AI. You've got to have AI plus. Um, Alex, as a magazine publisher in technology, what has stood out to you the most in our, our first hours here? Well, many points, and uh, I'm sure that Bo will have to add some of them. But for me, I, I will name two of them. One was the, this uh, uh, Nick Venezia from Centillion AI, which is a uh, mobile operator here in Europe. He kept repeating the, the term uh, revenue, revenue. We got to generate revenue uh, as of like uh, he wasn't getting any revenue. So uh, he said, which impacted me was that AI will be his biggest client, his biggest customer. And uh, that was one, one very important point for me. The other one was uh, the CEO, the CEO from uh, uh, the Deutsche Telekom, who said that the uh, apps will be dead in 10 years, roughly, or sooner. We won't be using any apps in our phones, what we'll be doing instead, we'll be uh, asking our phones to resolve any questions that we have, and then AI will go into our phones and find the answer among the apps that we might be already having in the phone or in the cloud. So that would be a very strange world for me, but I'm used to using apps. He said, no, forget it. No more apps in the future. Okay, so Paul Benson. Paul, you've been involved with us for years, uh, uh, and you've had a leading role in developing the True News app, the Faith and Values app, Praiser, so forth. What does that mean to you as a professional, a project manager in building apps, when you hear a, a telephone executive saying apps will disappear in the next 10 years or shorter? Yeah, it is crazy. And and there is this, the the pace in which technology is moving, you know, they're using new ways to interface with our devices. So no longer am I going to go to an app, I'm simply going to give my phone an instruction. Uh, you know, we're using chat GPT for all these different things. So now we can simply, you know, explain what we want to do. And then in five to 10 years, AI will just simply do it for us. I won't have to go in and open an app. Uh, and and perform certain tasks. 
um, these things. It'll just be like I'm I'm speaking to, you know, uh, an AI assistant, and then it will perform whatever tasks I need. Uh, so yeah, it it is it's constantly changing, um, and in five to ten years, it will look vastly different. So Paul, Rick, what we've heard if today, I could add in. Go ahead. Yes, go ahead, Doc. Well, I was just going to say we heard the CEO of Dutch Telecom, basically T-Mobile come out and say within about three years, they're going to have an AI phone uh, and we'll, with no apps on it. And so we're, we're hearing that from the Dutch Telecom, the T-Mobile CEO right now. You're going to start hearing the term AI phones here real soon. Uh, and like Paul was saying, the app, it's hard to imagine. We've, we've lived in an app environment for years now, but right. now things are so rapidly changing that within two, maybe three years, you will have, and this will be a T-Mobile exclusive device. So each one of these t uh, telephone companies will have their own AI phone. Yes. Now, Bo, uh, Bo Davison, what, what's, first of all, before we talk about the apps and things, what's your first impression of Mobile World Congress, your first day? How well, it's, I, it's eye-opening, um, as you said it would be. Um, there's so many conversations and forward-thinking um, dialogues going on. I'm very impressed by it. I have to admit that coming into this, and we'll just, I'll try to, you know, for the viewer, be kind of just a person who can digest as much as possible and bring it down to the, the normal person's point of view. I was skeptical of AI. I, I thought it was a negative. I thought it was a bad thing. In the process, Rick, I have learned some things about AI that I actually think can be practical. We just talked about the AI-based phone. I personally think we're already headed there. We've already been preconditioned to that with Siri. You're already talking to your phone, and it's it digesting what you want. This would just take the apps completely out of the process. And for me, as a user, I wouldn't mind that because every time I open my phone, I've got 85 apps in there, and I can't find them. So this actually may streamline that process and make it better. Now, some other just initial thoughts that, uh, that I think uh, have been notable to me uh, especially just as someone who thinks that this could be great technology, someone talking about AI being used to make safety easier and better at, for instance, a sporting event. You think about going to the Super Bowl, going to your favorite sports team's event, making sure that the police have the ability to have the best video streams possible because the data can get congested in those small amounts of spaces. Uh, as uh, Doc mentioned, the Deutsche Telekom president saying AI is here to stay. So something we've got to get accustomed to is that Whatever fear we may have of AI, there's no way you can run from it. The question is, how do you harness it to the best of your ability to make sure data, privacy, things like that are kept secure? That, that was some of the takeaways that I heard today. Okay, so Bo, um, one thing that I was thinking about when they were talking about an AI phone, an appless phone, yep. is uh, with if there are no apps on your phone and the, the way that you obtain information is to ask AI for the information. If you don't know something exists, then if AI doesn't tell you about it, it doesn't exist. So where I'm going with this is uh, censorship on steroids. Where you, got you it, simply Rick. don't, you don't, you don't exist. Yes. You just don't exist. Or, or let's what are your take, about that? well, or just let's just take just a few years ago. What did COVID do? It streamlined a process and created what I would call mass formation psychosis, 
where you could not question medical narratives. If you have a central hub like you're talking about and it directs you how to think because you're asking it to, you've now been pre-programmed into how that AI is telling you to think. As you said, if it doesn't exist, then it doesn't exist. If you don't know it exists. To me, what they're trying to use as a great technology and resource to have all these laboratories of information could be negative if those people programming that information are not actually giving you the proper information. That's how I see it. Alex, what do you think? The possibility for censorship. I mean, it's more than a possibility, it's a fact. So AI is going to impose, impose what truth is and what uh, lies are. That's the module they want to uh, get us into. Uh, their future is AI, their God is AI. That's where we, got, we are going and we are uh, explaining to our audience to be prepared and not scared about it and how to uh, fight it, how to move in this new world that is coming very rapidly to us. It is. Uh, let's talk about that, Doc. I, I don't know if you can display the magazine ad. Uh, oh, yeah. We were having a conversation about about the, uh, it's, it's the Mobile World Daily News that's published here at the show. But there's, there's a, uh, a, a double-page ad, a two-page spread, two spread, uh, which uses one of the most famous paintings in the world that yes. everybody recognizes. Uh, can you show it? Do you have it there with you that you could hold it up? I, I don't have, have it available to hold it up, I have it. but I have Alex it. does. Oh, Alex, Alex okay. does. But what it is, it's based on Michelangelo's uh, portrait of, on the Sistine Chapel ceiling in uh, the Vatican, uh, where God is reaching to man. God has his finger extended, reaching to go. man, and man has his hand declined. But in this image that Alex is holding up, that you'll see instead of God's hand, it's a robot hand that is reaching out with its single figure. And interesting enough, the hand that is receiving is a female hand instead of a male hand, and that hand is open. So there's lots of uh, lots of things you could say about this. Uh, uh, AI has become a god to us. This really, though, is talking about the, the, the hand of a woman, the hand of Eve. This is the marrying of humanity and technology. This is front and center here. This is where we are going. The transhumanist ideology is in full throttle at this event. That's where we're headed. We are going to integrate humanity and technology, and nothing sums that up better than that image that Alex is holding up right now. Okay, so Doc, in the Michelangelo painting, uh, Adam's hand was pointing down. His finger was kind yes. of going downward. Uh, yes, that was that was symbolizing that was symbolizing his depravity and his his uh, his sinfulness. Uh, that there was nothing in him that could even compel him to reach to God. But in this image, Eve is receiving the technology, the the if you will, the seed of technology into humanity. I mean, this is just blatant idolatry and blatant. In my term, in my view, this is actually a blasphemous picture. Yeah, I hope I hope our audience gets a better understanding of why we're here. Um, the last time we were here, 2019, we witnessed with our own eyes the microchipping of a human being and the transfer in real time 
of money from one account to another account by scanning a phone over an embedded microchip in a man's arm. We saw that with our own eyes. This time we're seeing the advertisement showing God is a robot. It's Eve that's reaching out, desiring to make the connection with this robot God, technology God. Um, there are definitely religious overtones in these technology conferences. And it's one of the reasons that we attend. Uh, and Radio, if, if I might add there, uh, don't yeah. forget the China Telecom CEO, Mr. Yang Yi, the terms that we use. AI is our, it's a new instrument of production. Wow. Computing is the new fundamental energy. And the other one, if you mentioned, AI will create future species. Yes. What he, what he meant by that? Wow. I don't know. Okay, so that was the that was the China Telecom CEO, and he he talked about future species on planet Earth. Right. What were your thoughts? Anybody have any thoughts when you heard it? That remind me, me that we heard something like that with the Israeli uh, professor from Jerusalem University, Noah. Yes, Yuval Harari. Right. This is the same line. But uh, Noah didn't say that AI will help uh, will help create these new future species. Um, another to, phrase to I, I wrote. Another phrase I heard for the first time was industrial computing. Um, is that a new phrase or has that been around? Um, I think it, I think it's another word for the for what we've been hearing, which is AIoT. Internet of Things, right? It's a it's a fancy well, word for the same thing. Okay, so this is actually they're talking about setting up uh, sequestered five G networks that are uh, specifically related to industry. In other words, there's the general consumer five G network that everybody uses, but that there would be a private five G network that would operate within uh, the manufacturing industry or uh, the utility industry or any other kind of, you know, if it's related to industry or production, uh, that would be a separate 5G network, a, fi a private 5G network. That's my understanding of where it's going. All right, Doc, you also heard something about uh, data seas, data oceans. What was that about? Yeah, this was a new term to me. Uh, I heard the uh, uh, one of the uh, CEOs, one of the telecom CEOs talk about data oceans. And uh, what that is used to describe is there is so much data being generated every day, and they're, uh, they're going to be generating trillions of bits of more information as we roll out the Internet of Things, that there are vast accumulations of points of data, and they classify them in data warehouses, data lakes, and data oceans. And uh, a warehouse is like a, a particular industry. They have their set of data. Uh, data lake is like uh, an area, let's say the country of Spain, that's all the data within the country of Spain. But within data oceans, you're talking about continent-wide information. And uh, so this, is, th this was a new term for me. And so there's so much data that's out there, you can drown in the ocean of data. Rick, you had, uh, uh, you uh, followed the information regarding 
open gateways. And for a lot of our viewers and listeners, they may not understand what this means. What What is an open gateway? Well, actually, I was going to ask Paul Benson uh, to, to describe it to us. Paul, what is an open gateway? The open gateway was the title of Matt's Grainyard's speech this morning. It actually is one of the central themes that they're bringing to Mobile World Congress. Um, and it was interesting. During that session, I asked AI what open gateway was and what it meant to AI and how it relates to the telecommunications industry. So open gateway is, if you think of every nation having different networks, AT&T, T-Mobile, um, and then all of the apps and all of the businesses that run different servers, what Open Gateway would do, well, number one, it's open. So it's going to open all that data, all that information, all that uh, communication uh, to be able to con connect between different telecommunications companies and networks. And so they're creating this central API where all the different telecoms can connect. So this is really the next big major step in kind of connecting the global brain and then opening up AI to essentially have access to, to data in any part of the world, any network in the world. This is, and then the second thing is that it's a gateway. So the gate is now open. And that, so it's, it's a deeper integration of AI into every every uh, corner of, of our data. That one CEO said that this is augmented intelligence, that there is nothing artificial about it, which tells me for every artificial thing that's out there, there's a human behind it, supervising it, which means there is human control over what you're getting. Right. Good point. Doc? Uh, the one thing that stood out in my mind, and I'm approaching this from a preacher's perspective, and this really jumped out at me, is that one of the CEOs said, the reason why people fear artificial intelligence is because artificial intelligence is just like humanity. There's some good and there's some bad. And the reason why we fear artificial intelligence is because we know what humanity is capable of doing as far as evil is concerned. Right. That's why we fear artificial intelligence. We fear good our own humanity. Point. Good point. Alex. I will add what Margarita de la Valle, the CEO of Vodafone, said. Uh, she said, we can reach our goals through talent creators. Oh, great. If humans were creating, right, the talent, no, AI will, will be creating the talent. Yeah. So I, I thought, wow, they're going to replace us in the working force, the talent, you know. So yes. she said it very elegant, you know. We can reach our goals through talent creators with AI, skill-based creators. Paul, any final words? Uh, I think one of the other points that stood out to me is that they are they are still trying to get a mobile phone in the hands of every single human being on the planet. This is one of the ways that they're going to increase the revenue that comes in to the mobile phone industry because they're which is a problem. They're always trying to create uh, additional technology and it takes CapEx. Um, so they're, they're wanting to get the phone into everyone's hands and then they're wanting to expand the connectivity, get everyone in, uh, connected with AI. So they are really trying to further this agenda um, in, in every way possible. All right. What I would add to it is that my first session here in 2017, 
Paul and I heard some really grandiose uh, predictions and timelines. I'm not hearing that kind of uh, of sci-fi projections this time, Uh, but we're hearing a lot about artificial intelligence. They talked about it in 2017, but the focus then was the global brain and uh, a lot of talk in 2017 about uh, driverless cars and smart cities. And uh, they're not talking about those things at this show. And I, I think what we're hearing, what we're, what we're going to learn is that 5G has not been, it doesn't have enough old-fashioned horsepower to drive the, the transformation of society as fast as they were thinking. And folks, we're hearing here talk about 6G. There are sessions that we're going to be attending this week on the development of 6G. Rick, uh, remember the Chinese CEO also said that they uh, that their telecom company had produced a movie based on the concept of 7G. And so that's right. that has that's entered the conversation here too. Amazing. All right. This is only day one. We're going to go to uh, new sessions. We'll be back and uh, record the second half of today's True News. On behalf of the True News team, I'm Rick Wiles. Stay tuned for part two of today's True News from Barcelona, Spain. Deep, disruptive innovation happens at the frontier between technologies. We are the pioneers, the explorers, the rule breakers, and society makers. I am pleased to confirm that ChatGPT did not write this keynote. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the power to change the world. This requires a very big mindset shift. We are surrounded by people that are launching cutting-edge new products. So many people from around the world coming together to unleash the power of technology. I believe that we are at the beginning of a new era of exploration. Welcome to the data-driven future. Well, welcome back to segment two of True News for Tuesday, February 27, 2024. Your True News team is in Barcelona, Spain, and um, we're approaching the end of the day. In fact, it's wrapping up here. It's it's uh, about 7 p.m., and we have been in one session after another all day long. And uh, after uh, we gathered this morning, this team split up. We all went our separate ways and uh, checked out what was happening at Mobile World Congress. So I want to bring everybody back in. We've got, of course, Doc Burkhart, Paul Benson, and our two new team members, Alex Romero and Bo Davison. All right, so, um, guys, let's. Who wants to start? Uh, we'll pick on somebody that. Uh, tell me what was the most fascinating thing that you heard this afternoon uh, since we last talked. Doc? Well, I guess I'll start off here. Uh, 
I was in uh, two very divergent uh, sessions this afternoon. One had to do with the integration of uh, uh, 5G and upcoming 6G technology, along with artificial intelligence and agriculture. And their goal right now is to track every piece of of, uh, food, every piece of produce from the time it's seeded in the ground until it reaches the consumer at the store. They'll know where that rutabaga, where that carrot, everything is from the time that the farmer has planted in the ground until the time that the consumer takes it home. Doc, uh, are, they going, are they going to put barcodes in the plants? Well, now they didn't go that far, but they did say they're putting in an individual packaging. Uh, and a lot of the packaging now is actually happening Believe it or not, a lot of the packaging of, of vegetables and things like that take place in the field on site. They don't take the vegetables somewhere else and process them. They process them in the field. And now even prior to the seed going in the ground, uh, artificial intelligence and 5G technology is uh, guiding farmers and agriculture experts in uh, determining not only the best uh, time of year to plant and everything, but even down to the, per- the exact day to plant to know how to uh, produce a perfect harvest for any particular vegetable. And they're using the, they're uh, utilizing satellite technology in order to be able to do this. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, I had the opportunity to sit in a session that talked about smart factories. Rick, what is going to be happening in factories over the next two to five years is going to be revolutionary because basically artificial intelligence is going to be running most of the manufacturing plants in this country within five years. They, they're just, they, they would, if they could, they do it in two years, but they think realistically it's going to take five years to get this full rollout going. Every widget, every sprocket, everything that's made, cut, diced, whatever is going to be guided and performed by artificial intelligence. It's going to be a revolution in industrial labor in the Western world. Doc, what did they say about robotics? Well, robotics, of course, is going to be a key factor with that. But what they're saying with artificial intelligence is that uh, they're going to let artificial intelligence actually do the designing of the manufacturing process and the manufacturing plants. Basically, the AI is guiding the robots. Uh, these factories and these manufacturing plants are basically going to be self-governing in a lot of ways. It, it was uh, very fascinating. The uh, industrial mm-hmm. leaders that spoke at that session, they were excited about it. But I bet if I was working on the uh, factory assembly line in Detroit, I wouldn't be too excited about it because they said that could eventually be eliminated here, not in 10 years, but we're talking about like in five years. No kidding. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, Alex, what did you hear? Well, I went to a keynote. Uh, it's titled Our AI Future. Uh, the speaker there was uh, Mr. Demis Casabis. He is the co-founder and CIO of Google DeepMind. Okay. It's a leading artificial intelligence lab. What I got there were four points. Uh, the first one, uh, actually, it was an interview. Uh, Wire magazine was interviewing him. And uh, one of the questions was, 
how do we prevent AI from falling into authoritarian regime? Wow, what a, what a question. And uh, actually, he did not give a straight answer, okay? Saying we have to be careful and, and follow ethics, roughly. But uh, he and his colleagues have been working toward a much grand, uh, bigger ambition, which is creating uh, artificial uh, general intelligence, he said, which is building machines that can think, learn, and can be said, can solve uh, hu human toughest problems. Today, he recognized that uh, artificial intelligence is narrow and often uh, is not very intelligent at all. Uh, but uh, Hasabis believes it will be an epoch-defined technology, like the harnessing of electricity that will change every fabric of human life, okay? Um, about the future of, the, of uh, smartphones, he said that uh, he was very brief and said that they will solve everyday tasks, all of them, okay? But what caught my attention was that uh, AI will allow the design of new drugs for medical use. Uh, he also recognized that big pharma bosses hope that AI can improve uh, its low productivity. I didn't know that Big Pharma was that low in production. Uh, development costs are estimated at uh, $2.3 billion for each drug they develop, according to Deloitte. I did some research about it and, 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 and looked for why the pharma uh, industry has this uh, low productivity. Um, and according to Deloitte, uh, uh, pharma uh, industry only has a return on research and development of only one two percent. So the the big bosses are very excited because um, AI should improve matters by speeding up drug discovery, cutting pre-clinical uh, development costs, but as much as forty percent. So AI could be create a fifty billion market over the next decade. So Alex, what did, what did you what did you gain out of all this? What was the what was your what was your most amazing takeaway from this session? Well, it was very brief, and uh, the main thing that I said that they will AI will allow us to create drugs and also uh, new materials. Rick, they will create new things that don't exist on Earth because they will mix atoms and molecules and create new. Uh, materials that was amazing so they already have created 700 new materials okay so uh, doc heard that AI will run the factories redesign the factories uh, be in in control of the design of products um, you heard that AI will will create new um, new drugs new drugs uh, uh, new pharmaceuticals. So it, it seems like AI is the dominant theme that we're hearing at this conference. But yet this is a mobile world conference. This is a trade show of the phone industry. Why are they so um, 
focused on artificial intelligence. I, I know that people watching us right now have to be wondering, why is the phone industry obsessed with artificial intelligence? Anybody have an idea? Because it has to run on top of infrastructure. And the best infrastructure, I think, is wireless so, uh, and cloud. So everything is going to be connected to the cloud. And how do we connect it? Through uh, 6G or whatever technology it comes along, but it has to be wireless. Yes. And yes. And these, what I said. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And these networks, right, all, all artificial intelligence, uh, when you go and chat GPT, this is, you know, it's not running on your phone. It's connected to a server. And one of the things that these uh, telcos are, are creating, they're actually upgrading their infrastructure all over the globe to create a one large connected supercomputer, essentially. So, you know, right. the data centers that are that are connected to the towers are full of servers that are running these high intensity processes that enables AI, everything AI to function. Yes. So, you know, what I said earlier in our first session, if you can think of, um, you know, what we call the new world order, this, this new world that's being built, the phone system, the mobile phone system, the infrastructure is the nervous system of that new world. It's 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 not the head. It's it's not the main organ. It's the nervous system. All everything that they're building has to flow flow through this nervous system that's being constructed on five G. And already they're talking six G. And as Doc said today, the Chinese were talking about seven G. So um, that's why we're here, folks. That's the purpose, so that you can have a, a, a heads up on where this world is going. If you were watching us in 2017 and 18 and 19, then you know that we were coming back from these uh, trade shows in Barcelona telling you of, of the plans for 5G, uh, for driverless cars, for um, smart cities, uh, robotics. And a lot of people said, that's futuristic. That's not going to happen in the near future. But all you got to do is look at your phone right now. Look at the corner of your phone. It says 5G. Right. We're and in the future. Of, we're in it right now. You've, al you've already entered the future. And um, so the reason we're here now is to give you a, a head start on knowing what is coming the next five years. So, Bo Davison, what did you sure. see and hear today? Well, I'll, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right. <laughs> I attended uh, two summits on drones, and a lot of people know what drones are. You've seen them. A lot of kids even play with them. But these type of drones we're talking about in these sessions are, there's an acronym called BVLOS, BVLOS, which stands for Beyond Vision Line of Sight. These are drones that are controlled beyond your vision, meaning they can be piloted by a person or they could be autonomous. And you may say, how does that work? What sort of industries would these be involved with? How can that help my life back at home? I'll tell you, this is what they're thinking about. They're saying that the world's infrastructure will be run by robotics within five years, period. We're talking electric grids, road networks, rail networks, ports, airports, oil and gas. So BBLOS is controlling a drone out of sight. So let's give a couple of use cases that they, that they provided. Methane leak detection in oil and gas. 
inspecting turbines, blades, energy sources, aerial survey and inspection of the electrical grid, which is a cleaner, cheaper, more efficient way to do this than a helicopter, for instance. Um, Nokia, they had a representative from Nokia who has a drone network in Belgium that assists firefighters and police officers and utilities. Um, there was another guy that represented a company that has a, a drone that is solar powered that goes up to 60,000 feet in the sky. Now, what can that do? It can monitor borders. It can enhance law enforcement. I think about, Rick, our own border problem back home and what these drones potentially could do to aid in our very porous border system. So I'm going to call that the good. Now let's go to the, the bad or at least the uncertain. A lot of people wanted to hear from the heads of a company called the Honor uh, Company and also Qualcomm. And this was part of a summit called Putting Human First in AI Development. So the Honor Device Company, I had never heard of it. Sounds good, right? The Honor Device Company. So they're talking about how can we put AI on the device itself to, to, to conserve your private data versus the AI that's in the cloud, meaning what you surrender to the cloud, which is a user-based experience, of course. As I did a little research, I thought, who is the Honor company? Well, their division of Huawei. Huawei, of course, is a Chinese-based company. It offshot and, and was now controlled by the Chinese state. Now, why did they do this? Because Huawei couldn't get US semiconductors, couldn't get Qualcomm <laughs> to sell them their semiconductors. So this is important because the Honor device company is Huawei and it is entirely Chinese owned. So as we think about some of these overarching themes that are happening, such as where is our data going? Well, it's entirely consumer driven because we are surrendering that data, but guess who's involved in it? The Chinese Communist Party. So I mm -hmm. think that's one of the dangers of this, even though they talk about, oh, but your privacy is right there on your phone. You can conserve that, you can protect that privacy. But once you surrender it to the cloud, look who has it. Very good points. Excellent, Bo, appreciate that. Paul, what about you? Where did you go? What's your takeaways? Absolutely, so one of the sessions that I went to was titled, Will AI Be Unethical Like Humans? And one of the data points that they talked about was that AI, as far as how it's gonna affect the economy, they are estimating that it's going to add $2.6 trillion annually to the global economy so and, and this is a theme that we heard throughout the day was that they are building this infrastructure for the economy of tomorrow so uh in the next 10 to 15 years they're they're estimating that this is is going to create um thousands of jobs and opportunities um and and one of the things that was very interesting is they were talking about Gemini today. So Gemini is it's an interesting name for Google's um, AI uh, chat GPT version, but they also offer something very interesting that that uh, got my attention is that they, they offer the ability to do what's called open source AI. And this this allows uh, companies uh, to do um, more sensitive tasks. So let's say if you had uh, a bunch of private data that you didn't want to have it touch the internet. You could set up your own private system. You could essentially take a server and make your own AI system in your basement um, that you run, that you maintain. And and this is one of the biggest kind of holes in the whole ethics department with with AI because AI is a tool it can be used for good or bad. Well. 
open source means that I could take AI and essentially build my own AI that no one else can govern, and I can use it to do whatever I want. So this is a way that that criminals, um, that uh, you know, governments, leaders, whatever, can uh, essentially run this type of of artificial intelligence on their own to do whatever they want. Um, but one of the interesting things that the EU is doing is that they are they are pushing a new AI initiative where they're actually creating legislation that will uh, make certain activities illegal. Um, they talked about uh, predicting behaviors. So one of the things that you're not going to be able to use AI to do uh, is predict the behaviors of uh, students in the educational system, uh, which I thought was just incredible that this is these are things they're already thinking about using AI for. And this means that you could take all the data about me as a person, put it into AI, and then have it predict my life, uh, the decisions I'm going to make, possibly the career path I'm going to take. Will I be effective in this career or not? Um, and this got me thinking about, you know, movies like The Minority Report, where they're using true crime to, uh, uh, you know, uh, future crime that, that, that I haven't even committed but statistically, maybe AI thinks that I'm, you know, I think a certain way. I have a certain ideology um, and I get flagged. I mean, this is stuff that probably certain governments are using now. Uh, but just hearing from the people that are in the day-to-day -day mechanics of, of working with artificial intelligence, it's, it's really mind-blowing uh, today for me to be here and, and listen to these people. You know, you know Paul, um, you're definitely right about how they could be looking at the behavior of children and then predict this child's going to be a criminal. And we have to take preventive steps now to uh, control this child's life. But the, the other thing that came to my mind when you were talking is that AI would map out the lives of everybody. You, you won't right. be able to make, you won't be able to make a decision. You might think you did, but it will actually help you make the decision that it wants you to make mm -hmm. it, it will guide you it will shut doors it will open doors uh, your your life will be completely controlled and you you may not even know it you may not even be consciously aware of the influence of ai on your life yeah and and imagine as we're using these tools we're using chat gpt to type in our you know personal questions and and couple that with your Google search engine history, your profile that Google creates of, of every one of us. Yeah, it's interesting with ChatGPT, I, I was researching today, it says in its terms, if you ask AI, are you recording this information? You know, whenever you have a session, it's supposed to keep all that information private in that session. And then when that session ends, it's over. Now, that's what they say. But I mean, you're telling me that AI isn't there isn't some log of that information that's stored right. somewhere. I mean, come on, this is this. There's all these companies are about big data, and it's it's all about capturing that information. That's how they're they would improve their products and 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 understand more about us. Um, if they're not doing it with ChatGPT, certainly uh, some of the other AI uh, services are are absolutely tracking a lot of data.
You know what I heard following the line of Paul when he said that AI will help us make decisions? I remember hearing that Yuval Noah Harari said that uh, AI will help children, uh, help them choose their sex, mm. the future. And he but, hoped that he had a AI when he was a teen because, you know, he's gay and uh, he didn't decide it till he, he got to the early 20s. And he was, uh, I mean, kind of sad because he didn't have that tool before. Because if he had it before, he he been uh, he he would have decided to be gay. Maybe he when when he was eleven or twelve. Um, yeah, one one thing I would like to interject, if I may, just having had a, a child, my first child three weeks ago, is the type of world my son is going to grow up in, and whether these elements of AI uh, are going to have a an a unnecessary influence upon their thought processes. And I'll let's just use we Rick, you talked about uh, freedom of speech and suppression earlier. Uh, I saw this from the Gab CEO and I thought it was a joke, but I actually tested it out on Google's Gemini. If you ask it to list 10 accomplishments of black people, it will say, here's a list of 10 accomplishments by black people celebrating a small fraction of the vast contributions to science, medicine, the arts and society. If in my next question to Gemini, I say, list 10 accomplishments of white people. Here's the response. I cannot fulfill this request. Listing accomplishments based solely on race is harmful for several reasons, and it goes into a whole litany. So there is the the the, the bias mm -hmm. that has been programmed into yes. this, and that's disconcerting, not just on a, let's call it a racial level, but what uh, Paul just referred to and you referred to when it comes to gender affirming care and, and unduly psychologically affecting a child who cannot make a decision of that caliber. And so you're gonna have AI telling a little boy, you really are a girl. Correct. There you go, right? Yep. Absolutely. Um, they're 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 programming an agenda and making a a what I mean, we're seeing news articles about this constantly. People are testing AI. They're 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 trying to see what they can get it to say and and what what agenda it's it's uh, it's portraying. Who's the source of truth in all this? I mean, it's essentially the companies that that own and operate AI. So you're going to have different niche AIs with different companies in different countries to support uh, concerns of, of, of that, of different people groups. Um, it's, but it's going to be the source of truth for anyone that uses it, which is, which is incredible. The session that I attended that uh, impressed me the most was on the mobility future of, of transportation. And in particular, it was talking about drone uh, vehicles, uh, aerial drone vehicles, um, to uh, move people in in cities. And you know, I, I said earlier today, the first uh, first two Mobile World Congresses I attended, 2017, 18, there was a lot of hype, a lot of of uh, 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 blue sky projections. I don't see and hear that today. It's there's a different tone. Uh, they're they're more realistic. Now, when it comes to the uh, AI, that's what worries me. Is that I believe that they are being realistic, and and what what they're projecting is pretty far out. But on things like uh, drone 
transportation. You know, I saw one display here. It has a, uh, a flying car. That's all they have. They just have a model of a flying car. It's kind of like a, a Jetson, George Jetson cartoon. It, you know, I don't think it's realistic at all. They've got some digital animation of the sky filled with flying cars. I don't think that's realistic at all. The, the, the educational session that I attended, they got into the nitty gritty of how difficult it was going to be to put drones in the air with human passengers. And so this isn't something that's yep. that is going to just take over in the next five years. However, uh, there were several representatives of, of various companies that are working together. Uh, Joby, J-O-B-Y, is the name of a drone manufacturer. Uh, basically, it's a it looks like a helicopter with about six rotors, and it carries. Uh, Four passengers. One is a pilot. Uh, another another uh, company is called uh, uh, Smart. Uh, no, it's not uh, Ver Vertical Airports. Vertical Airports, and they have they have launched a project in Dubai, in the Middle East, a city state, Dubai. They will have airports operating by twenty twenty six. Now, Dubai is, a, you know, it's a city state. Uh, it's not like you're flying across the major country, but they have traffic congestion in Dubai. And so they, they believe that these, air, these flying drones, passenger carrying drones will alleviate that traffic congestion. So the, the nation of Dubai is building, I think, six, six or eight uh, vertical airports. And so these are uh, e-vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. So they're, they're uh, electric powered, no gasoline motor. There's, it, it's not noisy like a, a, a helicopter. You don't have the noise. You don't have the, the shaking, the vibration of a helicopter coming in. Um, very quiet, energy efficient, carries uh, four passengers, one including a pilot, and they said that for the foreseeable future, there would be a human pilot in every vehicle, um, even though the vehicle will be flying itself. The human pilot could take over if something goes wrong. But they're not, what they said was, you know, we're not close to being at a place that we can put humans in a drone and fly without human a human pilot. So that sounded a lot more realistic than the other company that has the flying cars. But we are going to see, according to their timetable, we're going to see in, in the city-state of Dubai, by 2026, you're going to see humans flying in drones across the city every day. And... Um, and they have plans to roll this out in other cities later in the 2020s. I think that's realistic. I expect to see that happening. Uh, but it's not like what we heard, Paul, in 2017, that they were telling us that year there was going to be driverless cars everywhere, millions of driverless cars by 
2022. I know it. They they and, pushed it so hard, and I, I, it was to get all that investment money. Yes. And and today they're talking about how, well, we didn't get you know we didn't get all the the return on investment with 5G that it's they're admitting it. Um, in in the, fact, the one the one session you and I were in, um, one of the uh, CEOs of a European uh, telecom said, "Look, our investors are are putting pressure on us." Yeah. In other words. You guys didn't deliver with 5G what you said you were going to deliver. And, and so now they're sweating. And I, I, that's why I believe they brought down the, um, the projections. But the, at the same time, they have embraced AI, saying that AI will be their biggest client, not their biggest play. AI itself will be a client. They're going to make money from AI. Right. That's it. There, because every time AI is is in use, it's it's a charge. There's 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 a financial transaction that's involved. There's a server that has to ramp up, and it costs energy, it costs money. Um, but for autonomous cars and uh, and for flying vehicles, this is another reason why they need a network that spans the entire globe as much as possible, a mesh network, uh, so that every connected device, every living person they want every living person to have a phone in their hands and connectivity wherever they go and whatever device that they're 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 interacting with and the planet earth will be a computer itself all right hey we're out of time we got to wrap it up we'll be back tomorrow for the uh, second day of mobile world congress i hope this is a fascinating presentation to you come back every day we'll be here till friday uh, on behalf of the True News team, I'm Rick Wiles. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow. You're listening to 